Hello, hello, welcome again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. That is AJ, he's the green, this is Ken, I'm the beige. Welcome again to Green Beige number two. So, I don't know how many of you were watching the games this weekend, but as I was watching, I was confident I knew what my opening was going to be for this week until we saw what happened at Heinz Field last night. Um, so this week, the playoffs started and we had a lot of notable um, in- entrance into the playoff program. We had the Bills who made it back to the playoffs. The last time they had a win in the playoffs was 25 years ago. 25 years ago, I was sad. No. Shoot, boy, again. Well, 25 years ago, it was nine. Yeah, 25 years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. The last time that the Browns made it to the playoffs was 1999. They just ended the longest playoff drought of any team in the NFL. And I think that really and truly, there is no better place to start than what happened in the last game of the weekend. We had Cleveland coming into this game having no practice. They had COVID issues all week long, so their facility was closed all week long. They could not practice. You had (laughs) them winning last week just to get into the playoffs, beating these same Steelers. Well, not the same Steelers because Big Ben didn't play. You had pretty much everybody else, but, you know, the quarterback is the most important position on the team. And if the quarterback doesn't play, really and truly, it's not the same team. So the quarterback is in, the running backs are there, all their wide receivers are there. And the first play from scrimmage is that they snap the ball clean over Big Ben's head, and it rolls all the way back to the one-yard line we have James Conner trying to fall on the ball and slips. And that is play. another conversation in itself because I don't know what Conner was really doing. I don't know what it it looked like a toddler, but anyway, go ahead. That's and, something else. Yeah, Conner Connor runs to the ball. He can't say for the ball or on the ball. He just slips and doesn't make any contact with the ball at all. Ben, I mean, Ben looks like if he needs some WD-40 and some oil for his hinges because when he tried to go down to get the ball, I don't know if he actually made it to the ground yet. And then the Browns defenders, they just all swarm on the ball and the the Browns are up seven love, well, six love, because they get the touchdown and they score the extra point on the first snap of the game. Then we have Ben throwing the pick very shortly after, nine minutes and 46 seconds into the 15 minutes of the first quarter. Nine minutes and 46 seconds left. The Browns are up 14 nothing. Then we have a fumble recovery. It's 21 nothing. Then it's 28 nothing. At this point, I'm telling myself that we need to change the name of Heinz Field to Hot Soup Field because beer blows. Beer blows sharing a Heinz Field this evening. So, I mean, I'm watching this game and I'm telling myself that this this cannot be happening. 
No, I picked the games for my own you know, purposes to say who was going to win. And they had the Steelers winning 34-20 to 20 because they expected that the Steelers' defense was going to show up. But they never did. They never, they, they never arrived until the second half. It was it's it's kind of hard when when you start off that way. It I, I can imagine how mentally you had to be scrambling before you even set settle into the game. You had to be scrambling to try to to be on your P's and Q's to help erase a deficit that you weren't the main reason for in the first case. So not that I blame them, not that I blame them. They need to do better. They needed to do better. But at the same time, it 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 just it just started off so badly for the entire team that it it, it just seemed like it was insurmountable. Uh, and I, I feel like mentally that, that would affect it, that would have affected um both offense and defense. <laughs> and then Big Ben added to that his play, but I, again, uh, we'll get into that. Um, but it was just Man, it was terrible. I kid you not. I, I was, like I said, I, I had bowed my head to say grace, Ken. I had bowed my head to say grace. As soon as the game was about to kick off, by the time I looked up, I was seeing a replay of of, of um the recovery. Uh, so I'm like, wait, what what just what really just happened? And then after that, it was the onslaught. And <laughs> so this is this is the one game I picked for the weekend that I got wrong, right? And mm-hmm. mind you. And I'll be very honest about that because, you know, last week I was talking to my boy Baker, but like you, I expected that the Steelers' defense would come out ready, you know? And as much as I know that the Steelers couldn't run the football, I still went with the common sense pick. And I was like, you know, the Steelers, they're accustomed to being here. This is the Browns' first time. I I didn't think it would have been a bloat, but I thought, I also didn't expect Big Ben to be this deplorable, but I didn't expect... I honestly didn't expect um, what happened to happen. And so this is the one I got wrong, but it still feels like a win because they just see Baker. They just see my boy Baker. Though. Oh, that was, listen, that was, that was a near perfect performance. If not, if not, you know what? It, it was essentially a perfect performance for what he needed to do. He did it with aplomb, right? I can't even remember the stats. And, and I know, first of all, um, he didn't. He didn't get a sack for the entire game, and I mean, it's that's down to the defense as well that they just could not get pressure on the guy. Um, when he did scramble, he didn't make some good plays, but he was solid in what he had to do. And whether it was uh, just a little screen to Nick Chubb running forty yards to take it to the house, or you know, just just handed it off or whoever whoever was the receiver. I mean, he had juice looking like he invoked the spirit of Jerry Rice. This is Juice Landry we're talking about. Like, I feel like most of us that talk feel like Juice is, is more of a 1A than a 1, but shh, he was doing it last night, though. Uh, no, the thing is, it, right? I, in all, oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I was going to say, I'm going to let you, because Baker is your guy, right? And I can't come today and battle your guy because your guy did perform. But my bigger my bigger takeaway from that game was just how shocking the Steelers' defense was. The Steelers' defense, and I, I tweeted this out during the game. I was like, the Steelers' defense, they're they're not tackling, they're not using some gap assignments because like 
from from watching and hearing people like Ryan Clark and those talk about these gaps, like for those who don't really follow the game as closely as we do, when you hear people talk about the A gap, the A gap is either to the left or to the right of the center. The B gap is on the outside of the guards, and then the C gap is on the outside of the tackles, and then from there, you're just trying to set the edge. The Steelers couldn't set the edge. There was no gap discipline. They couldn't tackle. You saw Nick Chubb take the ball, and the first time that he looks like if he's about to get a tackle, he's 20 yards down the field. You saw Kareem Hunt, who took in two touchdowns in the first quarter. Um, this is not – This is. I know, I know we didn't have the steel curtain this year, but this looked worse than aluminum foil. They looked like if they were out there with plastic wrap that was not even clinging to anybody. They were just running free all game long and doing as they feel like. So Big Ben goes for 500-plus yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Not all of them were his, were his fault, but at the end of the day, you did throw three very bad balls that deserve to be picked and were picked. Oh, wait, which one is which one are you saying wasn't his then? So I think it was the second oh, interception. The Deontay Johnson over wait, the Deontay middle. Johnson was coming that over was the a middle. bad throw. That was a bad throw. Because Deontay, or, the way I see it, yeah, Deontay is already in, in his motion running across the center of the field, right? Mm-hmm. Then threw the ball, if, even if it, all right, cool. I, I could admit at some point you might say, look, your receiver is supposed to get to that ball, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's like fractionally high, he, you, you could argue you could have held on to it, but it was behind him. It was it wasn't it wasn't in in um in line with where he was going. It was more in line with where he was. So he was reaching up over his head, even though it was it was high one, and then it was too behind him. Because if you if you realize how he reacted when he was trying to reach for it, it looked like he was trying to slightly arch back a little bit to try to catch it. ball. I I'm not. I feel like yes, yes. You there's an argument that maybe he could have done better, but it was it was not it was not an ideal throw for a man with that wide open. Men should be doing better. I agree that for a man that is wide open, it probably was not the most accurate throw. However, I have heard it said multiple times. I don't always agree, but I've heard it said multiple times. If you get both hands on the ball, you have to catch it, and he got both hands on the ball. The ball literally burst through his hands and went straight to the defender. So, yeah, well, I will say that, you know, maybe we can say that Ben was like 20% at fault for not having a perfectly placed ball. For a man that was wide open, it's not like you have to say he had to put the ball in that spot because someone was coming to clean him from the other end. Deontay Johnson has to make that catch. And that has been his problem all season long. He has dropped... More passes yeah, than I a professional wide receiver should be allowed to do. I am I not sure who has the most, but like, he I, has I, to be up there. I think I heard that. Yeah, like somewhere in the last week or so, they were saying that he got or the penultimate week. Like, I think he has the most drops in the league this year. Yeah, so, so which, I mean, which is why, which is why, which is why you could possibly make the argument because you know of his recent history. But I still don't like that throw. I don't like that throw. But as I said, maybe the throw was not the best, but. At the end of the day, if you're a professional with a receiver running across the middle and the ball is there to be caught, you get both hands on it. You don't have to lay out to get there. You should be making that catch. But as we continue going down through the game, 
in the second half, I was wondering why the Browns came out so conservative. Because at the end of the day, yeah, you have a big lead. But if you can't move the ball, because the Pittsburgh Steelers came out with a much more with much more focus in the second half. So if you can't move the ball because the men are now setting out to stop the run, then you have to be able to hit the passes. Your guy was missing some passes early on in that third quarter, which allowed the Steelers then to come back into the game and start to make it seem a little competitive. Now, when they got to the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, I can't even Stefanski because, you know, he had COVID. He was at home. The Browns, who had offensive lane issues with men going out with injuries and and their offensive lane coach, yeah. he's not yeah, at the game okay. either. Okay. He's okay. also at home. Everything is playing into the hands of the Steelers for them to get back into this game because you have conservative play calling. You have Baker missing a couple of throws and men dropping some balls that should be caught. And the Steelers are scoring touchdowns and risking at two-point conversions when they could just kick the field goal. You're already like way behind them. Might as well just take the extra points and keep it moving. But they don't do that. And then they find themselves get relatively close. And then was it Nick Chubb that took the ball to the house? Somebody very early in the fourth quarter Scored another touchdown. Have been sharp. Yeah, wasn't that? Yeah, wasn't that the screen? It's probably the screen. Break, breaking a couple, breaking a couple tackles. Yes. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. So, so there you have it. So Pittsburgh, who has been, well, should I say, who was one of the best teams in the AFC? You know, they started eleven and zero. Record-wise. Yeah, yeah record-wise. Then to go one and four over the last five games of the season and then get bounced in the first game of the playoffs. And let's, let's just take a moment to talk about um, one of our good friends, favorite wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, because... So they, they are, even before you get to that, there was one thing I didn't want to mention that just came to mind, right? Mm-hmm. The play calling was, I think, was also a little off for for the Steelers. And I'm... I'm re- I, so I, I'm recalling this one play in particular. There was a fourth and one when they punted. It, if you remember, like it, it made headlines afterwards, right? Yes. As you know, one of the bad decisions of the weekend, along with another one that we get into. But fourth and one, they punted. And I feel like I think this was like at the beginning of the fourth quarter, sometime early in the fourth. It was the something they like had that. they had the fourth and one at the end of the third. And they were they, they chose to take the five yard delay game penalty rather than kick or force the kick or take a um, timeout. So then they kicked exactly at fifteen. That's when they were trying to draw them offside or something like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then the, right. and then the Browns so marched right. from the twenty. That can that decision made no sense. That decision made no sense. And now I now bump this trying to be conservative stuff at that point in the game. Your offense was getting into a rhythm. They had already scored on a fourth and was it fourth and goal? Um, ben had lobbed one over. I can't even remember who caught it. I don't think it was Juju. I can't remember who at this point. But Ben Ben had. It was, I think it was Ebron. Ebron. Did Ebron have two? He had two catches, two touchdowns. Claypool um, had two. Ebron had one. Juju had the other. I think. 
whoever it was, whoever it was, nice little lob over, and that was on the fourth, right? After mm-hmm. obviously they didn't get through on the previous previous um plays. You're getting into a rhythm, you have that momentum, you already have a fourth in the bag for the night. You need to go for that there, a fourth and one. You need to go for it there. Like there was no reason to punt that ball. And 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 I know you might say, like, yeah, field position, the defense was the defense was also catching the rhythm, but at the same time, the defense wasn't. They weren't getting picks and they weren't putting enough pressure on Baker to make him lose the ball. So if, if you're, de- you're relying on your defense to just make a stop, okay, that's one thing. But at the same time, you need the ball to score. If you're in such an advanced position already, why not go for it with, with the rhythm and momentum that you have? You need to go for it right there. And, the and, reason- and with, the, with the deficit, I'm sorry, I'm with the deficit as well? No. Nah. I don't agree with it. I, I didn't agree with it then and I still don't agree with it now. No, I can understand why you would say that you don't that you don't agree with it because I'm I'm sure the analytics guys would have said that if they went for it and they got it, then their I mean the win probability had to be pretty low at that point anyway. But it would have been higher than if they punted. However, we know the Steelers couldn't run the ball. And the Browns front was stymieing the run all game long. So then if they can't run the ball, then you're saying that they'll have to throw for this fourth and one because you can't trust that even though Big Ben is a big body, that he's going to be able to push through and get this first down. So I saw the logic behind them kicking the punt because at the end of the day, you're looking to see if you can flip field position. If you your defense is been showing that at least in the third quarter, the Browns have not been able to move the ball. I think the Browns had like two, three and outs back to back. One, the Pittsburgh Steelers scored on. The second one, they didn't, which is when they punted the ball back. And then led into the fourth quarter, where all of a sudden Baker just, you know, the shackles were off and he just started flinging the ball all over the place. They marched down the field and they scored again. But there's something to be said that you're trusting your defense to continue what they've been doing. It's not like you have to say that to this point, no, if this was in the first half and at that point, the Browns were doing whatever they wanted and the Steelers had no answer to them, then I can understand. I can, I can give you at that point saying, okay, maybe you shouldn't kick here because if you kick here, then you're, you're not showing that your defense can stop them. So all you're going to do is give them the ball back to come score another touchdown. However, their defense has shown some, you know, they have shown a little backbone at, in the third quarter. So you give your defense a chance to make something happen. They couldn't make it happen. So that was it. Yeah, like I said, I knew you were going to try to defend it. <laughs> I still, I hear everything you're saying. And yes, I get that. Like I, I too like to sometimes try to, to understand like what the rationale behind it is. And you're right. That's, that is probably what he's thinking. You're absolutely correct. But I still don't agree with it. And I still think it was a poor call, even, even at that point in time. Uh, Fair enough. But well, I think we've given enough time to the Steelers. Way too much. Yeah. So Saturday's games. I have one other thing. What was it going to be my open? But we we come back to that. that. That for me is a much more fun conversation. But Saturday's games. So as I mentioned when we started, the Bills first time in the playoffs in a while, 
and they got their first win in 25 years in the playoffs. They beat the Colts, who, for all intents and purposes, were considered to be one of the best teams in the AFC. They had a very strong defense coming into this game. And the conversation was, how would Josh Allen fear against the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts' defense? Now, I didn't see the game. Did you see the game? Yeah, I did. I did. So I, did. I picked this game. I had picked for the Bills to win this game 34-27. And they ended up winning it 27-24. So what did you see? Um, I, I took the lazier route from you. Like I said, I didn't I didn't pick scores for the games, but there was and the reason I had told you about the games I was picking is because I was kind of like voting on this um profile that I follow on IG. So I voted and five out of my six votes, you know, they came through. And and this was one of them, right? Um Honestly, I did expect the game to be close as well. And you know how in 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 one of our groups we had we saw a conversation come up about um, basically like coaching, bad coaching and bad play calling, mm-hmm. losing the game. I think Frank Reich put the Colts at jeopardy in also. this game. There was a field goal that he should have taken. It, that, that that's that is essentially it. Um, yeah, it was a. He went for it on a fourth. Now, mind you, the, the thing about this is, I I I don't even necessarily blame Wright a hundred percent because the play was actually well designed and Philip Rivers should have made it through. I can't I, I I can't remember who to whom it was, but he he, he overthrew it right. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a corner route, and whoever the receiver was like had to end up reaching at it went off the tips of their fingers. So it was, it was it was a bad throw from Rivers. But at the same time, it was a point where the Colts were controlling the game. They were, I think at that point, they were up 10-7. So that would have put them up 13-7. Um, yeah, they were pretty much controlling the game. The Bills offense couldn't get anything going. You're in field goal range. And and you have one of the most consistent kickers for this in, in for the just concluded season, right? Like mm-hmm. take the three points. I understand the need to 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 be aggressive, but I feel like at that at that point, it 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 would have behooved right to take the three points and at least put the points on the board to make the Bills have to to um to score touchdowns. And lo and behold, I think it was right after after the after that failed attempt, Bills went back up and scored before the half, if I remember correctly. So it, that they sort of built off of that momentum and. and it, at the end of the day, look at that. They, they ended up losing by three points. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, I feel that, um, I feel like there was, what do I feel like there was another an, another instance where Reich went for it and I thought it was a bad decision. Reich was, he was aggressive from the get-go. It was like, all right, yeah, we're doing this. We're going for it. And I understand, yeah, you know that uh, based on Josh Allen's talent and the talent around him, especially Stefan Diggs, you need to you need touchdowns to win this game, but at some points it right, especially with that field goal in particular. Nah, that was the one that stands out because at that point you had to take that. That that was when you were in control of the game and up. At the three points there could could have made a difference in the Bills gaining momentum before the half or not. They didn't take it. Um, Rivers missed it through, and then boom, it was all Bills after that essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. 
And then the second game of the day, we had the Rams going to Seattle. This was my one wrong pick for the for Saturday because I had the Seahawks beating the Rams. And I mean, who knows what happens if the backup quarterback who started the game doesn't take what I've seen some call a dirty hit from the safety, Jamal Adams, Adams yeah. which knocks him out of the game and forces Jared Goff into the game. And then it was a Cam Akers show. Cam Akers has the second most scrimmage yards by a rookie in a playoff game with 176 yards. Cam Akers takes over the game and the Seahawks fall 30 to 20. Now, I thought that this game was going to be very even. I thought the game was going to be, it was going to be pretty close because it's two divisional teams that literally, again, this just like the Browns and the Steelers, they ran it back. They played last week. They played again this week. And you saw that the Seahawks, they could not handle the Rams. No, I didn't see the whole game. I, I pretty much caught Lucky from... You. <laughs> I pretty much caught from late in the third, either late in the third or the middle of the fourth. I can't remember exactly when I started watching, to be honest. But what I did see was that Russell Wilson, again, was not having a great game. And you put it so mildly, Russell Wilson was terrible, but continue. But like I said, I didn't see the game, so I, I, I can't speak to, to what happened before, but he wasn't having a good game. Aaron Donald got injured somehow. And even with him got, being he injured, got injured tackling Russell Russ. Okay. Russ that he was he sacked Russ, but Russ came down on him. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can see like he was trying to breathe, like, and then they ended up reporting that it was a rib injury. And with Aaron, you know what? I'm sorry. I just go ahead. I, no, come in, come in. So you have to say one. No, no, I was just no, I know I you were going through what you saw, and then I'll I'll say what I what I because I watched I, I, I watched the entire thing. So can this finish telling me what um what you said you that you saw? No, but I was what I, what I was ending on was that uh-huh. Donald was out of the game. Yeah, he was out of the game. And even though he was out of the game, the Seahawks, who traditionally do not pay offensive linemen, who have for years neglected their offensive line to the point where I think that Russell Wilson by now should be in witness protection because <laughs> he gets so much abuse every game because they refuse to get the men in front of him to protect him that he does not have a good game. He does, He's not able to have a good game because they have too many horses on the back end. You have um, Donald up front, who went out. They still have good linebackers. They have, I'm trying to remember his name. For the life of me, it's just not coming. But their star cornerback, mm-hmm. yes, Jalen Ramsey is locking down DK Metcalf. So, if you can't use Metcalf, you still have Lockett. You have other weapons that you can use, and they don't do it clearly because by the time I tune in, like they're pretty much out of the game. It's no secret how good the Rams' defense is, and I'll tell you something, right? From watching that entire game, all the names that you just called incredible names, the Pro Bowlers and whatnot. I I, I don't want to say MVP, but the play of the game was from 
the Rams' other corner, Darius Williams. His pick on you saw. Did you see the screen um, that Russ was throwing yes. to to Metcalf that, that he, he jumped and, and took it to the hills? That Ken, that was a play of the game because I, if I also remember correctly, that was the play. I think that was actually the first touchdown of the game, and it kind of opened up the score. And then after that, it was it was night night for the Hawks. <laughs> but listen, that was a and and because. Like there was some discussion about um, whether it was a bad throw or this or that. Listen, this man studied his tape. He knew what Russ was going to do, which is why he jumped the rope. And apparently it was like only the, like Seattle had run that sort of play only four times during the season. And twice, only twice of the two, two of those times, he, they used a the bun set. Um, where they had the three receivers. Yeah, and then I think Chris Carson was on that same side. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so you know, run the RPO. And Darius Williams, mind you also, it is important to note, Darius Williams picked off Russell Wilson twice the last time, or it wasn't, the, not the last time, it was in week nine when they played, right? Mm-hmm. In one of those instances as well, saw what Russell was doing, jumped the rope, got in front of Greg Olson, it was. Mm-hmm. That was his second pick in the game after after one in the end zone, right? So he stu- he's this man did his homework. He studied Russ. He saw the play. He knew exactly what was because if you if you look at that play, you you could see exactly that he knew what he was doing. And after that, it was lights out. That it was the play of the game to me. I mean, despite everything else, the Rams were incredible. The Hawks were terrible. I don't feel like discussing this too much because it was almost a waste of three hours. I predicted the Rams to win because I, as as much as I rate Russell Wilson, I had no confidence against him. Uh, um, uh, no confidence in him to outplay that defense because um, the same receiver, the same receiving core that we talk about, Lockett and even DK, they haven't been looking good coming towards the end of the season. Russ hadn't been looking good. Chris Carson been uh, and Carlos Hyde been up and down with injuries like I, I highly rate Chris Carson but he wasn't he wasn't effective he wasn't effective wasn't even I think he had like 70 something yards in total somewhere around there he, he wasn't effective though and the offense just stunk it was a it was, it was a, a not not surprising loss in my opinion okay no problem so the last game was the one that we, we gave the least amount of time to. But um, to me, this was the most fun of... I, well, I didn't see the first game. And for all intents and purposes, that game was pretty excellent. But Taylor Heineke was the story of Saturday. Taylor Heineke... It was, it was the most riveting. It was the most exciting because of that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because we went into this game, we expected that Tampa Bay would have just... You know, Molly Wap, these guys, they would have just beat them without mercy. It would have been unpleasant to watch because there was nothing really to be focused on coming into this game. And then we find out very late that, um, what's his name? I'm bad on the names today, but they're starting quarterback, Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Uh-huh. That he was not going to play. We recognize, we heard very late that he was going to be out. And Taylor Heineke, like, who the hell is Taylor Heineke? He then gets to be the starter 
for this game. So during the broadcast, I mean, the things that this man was doing, they had no reason, they had no choice then but to make him the story of the game. Yeah, Tom was Tom. Tom threw for three near 400 yards. They had lots of touchdowns. There were no interceptions. Whoop, T-Doo, that's Tom. You're a guy, not my guy. Um, so we have Taylor Heineke, former XFL backup. He is not even the start of an XFL franchise. The one thing that they, they highlighted a lot was that he was a former practice squad man with the Patriots. So there was a time that when Tom got to the facility, he was already there and then they're sitting down and he introduced himself to Tom. They sat down and they, they chopped it out over some film for 30 minutes. So he has some experience of dealing with, with Brady. Um Washington, when they saw what happened to the Broncos, who had no quarterbacks for a game, they decided that they were going to bring him in as the COVID quarterback. So they just, you know, stuck him somewhere when everybody else was going through the reps and stuff. And I waited to see if he would have been called upon. We know that they got rid of their supposed starting quarterback from the beginning of the season, Dwayne Haskins. So, no, starter can't go. Heineke gets a call up. Our balls out. Heineke goes for 300 yards. He, I was so impressed with him. And obviously, All right, Tony Tony Dungy. All right. Uh, I was I was about to say that Tony Dungy was <laughs> even more impressed because I I thought that Tony Dungy was this man's agent because <laughs> Tony Dungy is talking at this man at every opportunity. Yeah. He's, every he's, single time. Every single chance. And I'm like, whoa, Dungy, though. Like, I know you're trying to help the man get some money. You know, you're trying to help you get paid. But you can, you can just ease off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> that was actually a fun drinking game to play, though. Every time every time um, Dungy said something, Paul, that, that he was impressed by Heineke, shot. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a one thing I'd miss about Heineke not being in, in the postseason anymore. But um, yeah, to get to that game, you know, you ever seen the movie The Replacements? I think so. I think Keanu Reeves portraying a, a football quarterback. I mean, it was actually one of his more decent roles, if I'm being fair. It was, it was a good movie, but and I think ironically, too, that movie was based around whoever the, the, the Washington Sentinels, I think, with the name. It was a Washington football team, mm-hmm. but so I, 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 I brought up that reference to say. Heineke was playing because one of the main lines of the movie, right, is that is when the coach who was Gene Hackman was telling them, you know, there's no tomorrow for you, and that makes you very dangerous people. Taylor Heineke was playing like he knew there was no tomorrow for him. The mm-hmm. man was incredible. He was putting his body on the line, which is <laughs> which is one thing. I, I was I was like, I feel like he escaped some hits. Because even when he was making some of his runs, he wasn't sliding, wasn't sliding like this. Man was sliding head on. I was like, bro, bro, <laughs> I know you're down for the cause, but yo, take it easy. And even, uh, you, well, you know that play, that touchdown that he scored, um, launching from about four yards out. To hit yeah, the key. Listen, I, I, can't, I can't even say anything bad about the guy. I think, I think Washington ended up, all in all, through Heineke putting up a decent fight, um, I, feel, I, I think they covered the spread, which is which is commendable. 
I think they covered because remember I was saying I was saying no, I did not never cover. Yeah, they covered it. I think it was a box minus ten or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and they covered. It. I'm like, wow. Well, all right. Heineke was really good. At, at, as usual, their defense is known to be has been known to be a second half defense. The, they have the best second half defense um, for the season so far. They came out in the second half and they, they pretty much showed that too. They had settled in. Like it was taking a while to get stuff going. Chris Gordon was absolutely um, terrible <laughs> the majority of the game. But on the flip side, Mike Evans, who's having a, a career best season, this man had only six catches. Each of them was 10 plus yards and had uh, it was a buck and some in terms of yardage. 100 and, and, 100 and a lot, 119 yards. There we go. Leonard Fournette was running all around the place. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the firepower that the Bucks had was too much for Washington, which we all expected. Mm-hmm. But I was impressed. I was impressed. With Heineke, I, I still feel like um, even, even though Chase Young didn't get that much pressure on Tom, I think it was Montez. I think it was Montez. that much pressure? He got yeah. no pressure. None, none. He didn't. But he, I think Montez Sweat, Montez Sweat got a sack, though. I think it was. Yeah, he got. He got. I yeah. think the only sack that they did. Only. But Chase Young, I want Brady. Give me Brady. Did you want to hand him a cup of coffee? Because there was, <laughs> there was nothing. When you are going to say that you want to get Brady, and I remember this. This I can't remember who it was that made the statement. They said it a long time ago. But they said that when you look at the tight end, the tight end is the smallest of the fat guys and he's the slowest of the fast guys. And you, Chase Young, can't get past Gronk. Gronk by oh, himself yeah, is but come on, you, know, you up. You, you, know, you know that Gronk has him. been... You know that Gronk has been one of the best blocking tight ends uh, in the game. You know that. You know that. He could be he one of the best... Credit. He can be one of the best blockers. I do not care. You are number one pick who has been wreaking havoc. Sorry, yeah. No, but you're the number one pick for the Washington football team. The number two overall. You have been wreaking havoc all season long. Do not come and tell me that a tight end, I do not care who he is, a tight end by himself. The tight end must have the tackle next to him, helping Uh Hold you up. No, you cannot tell me that the tight end by himself is not even saying, well, you know, we what we can do is that you can do a speed rush and I can just steer you around the quarterback. No, Gronk is fronting this man, hands in front of him, and he can do nothing. No, 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 no. If you are T.S. Young, and you have to be glad that you got beat. Because you won't want to go into the film room and see that tape and the men looking at you and asking you, so what happened there with Gronk, man? What happened on that play that you couldn't get past him? That's not good enough. I, I, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. He wasn't at his best, and I know because he called him out, um, yeah, it looks even worse. I mean, I, to, for some reason, I, I don't feel as, as strongly as you do about it. I, 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 all I could do, and maybe it's me being a little bit of a homer because you know that's that's a home team for me right now, mm. you know. So it, it, it could be that. And and let me let me be fair, it wasn't just sweat that got the tackle. The run pain actually had two. It was three mm. um sack. Sorry, mm. it was actually three sacks. Sweat got the one that I remember, but the run pain actually had two. But I feel like that Washington defense, 
is young and they've they've been looking good. They've been I I, I just I commend them. That's all I that's all I can do, right? It was mm-hmm. a good it was a good showing. Even I, I, were they even the dogs because they won the division? I didn't even know. They weren't the biggest dogs going into the weekend. I know that for sure. That was actually the Bears against you. We get into that, but it was a commendable showing. And what ended up, what we expected to happen, happened. I, I still give them some credit for for the overall performance, offense and defense. Yeah, I give them some credit too for their overall performance. But there had to be a dog. Any team coming out of the NFC East, going into any game against any other team that got into the playoffs from anywhere else in the NFC was going to be an underdog because the NFC East is the NFC least. They're the NFC weakest. They are the worst. So we <laughs> will just move on. So uh-huh. Baltimore, Tennessee. I'm leaving my game for last because that had the most for me that had the most fun activity in the entire game. But I'll, Baltimore I'll let you Tennessee. talk about that more, more than I will actually. <laughs> just, I, I just I'm just letting you know. I'll, I'll let you deal with that one. But yeah, so Baltimore. Sure. So Lamar gets his first win in the playoffs, and that for me as a fan of Lamar. Lamar, I I really believe that a lot of the criticism that he has received in the past was overblown. I remember, I'm trying to remember which commentator said it, but early in the season, I think it was Ryan Clark, he made mention of the of who Lamar had to throw the ball to. Outside of Mark Andrews, his best receiver is Marquise Hollywood Brown, who on a team that has a number one receiver. He is number two at best, number three. Hollywood Brown is fast. He's great for taking the top off of defenses, but he is just a kind of a middle of the road wide receiver. I'm trying to be as gentle as possible because I don't think he's trash. I just don't think he's that great either. No, that's fair. fair yeah. So, the, to me, the two main talking points coming out of that game um, we don't really need to spend a lot of time talking about Lamar and how incredible Lamar is, especially with his legs, because that touchdown run, I, I don't remember who said it, but it said that that was the greatest run that they have ever seen. Somebody disagreed. I'm a little, I don't know. I, I try not to be present at the moment and say, but this is the yeah, greatest, yeah. that's the greatest I've ever seen. Speaking but, of hyperbole. Yeah, yeah, but that touchdown run that he had in the second quarter, I think it was, was ridiculous when he drops back and then is it is a pass. It's not to say that he, he dropped back on a design quarterback run. He dropped yeah, back to yeah. pass and then notice oh wait. First off, nobody's open. And then everybody's back is third. Yeah. And I have a seam. And he just takes off down through the seam. Nobody can get to him and he, he just sticks the ball inside the pylon. And it's a touchdown. Lamar is incredible. But I think one of the biggest talking points, and you had touched on it briefly when we were talking about what happened with the Steelers, was the decision by Frank, by uh, Mike Vrabel, sorry, to punt on a fourth and two rather than going for it. And just like with Tomlin, I saw the wisdom in it because at that point in time, you're both offenses are not no offense is hitting it straight at this point. So maybe you're trying to play some field position. There is an argument for going for it, but your run has not worked 
all game long. So you decide that you're going to kick the punt and then the Ravens basically walk all the way back at the field. You get no benefit from it. I think they scored on that drive. I can't remember for sure. But what do you think? Are you of the same mind as you were with Tomlin when they punted? Yeah, kind of. I won't lie to you, right? There was a point in time during this game where I, I myself dozed off. And that's not an indication as to how the game was going. It was a, it was a good game. Mm-hmm. But I, that was just me personally. I was just real. I was just out there. I was just kind of tired. Um, with that, on that play, yes, I still feel like Vrabel should have gone for it because at the end of the day, this is not the Browns looking at the Steelers and laughing if they were to design a play and have James Conner in the backfield. And you know, all right, you know Conner ain't doing nothing. They're going to throw this ball. This is Derrick Henry, the man who just joined an elite club of running uh, of running backs, right? Mm-hmm. So if you design a play, even if you're going for it on fourth and two, and you have Derrick Henry in that backfield, there's no way that the Ravens are not going to to, to try to stop that run as they had been doing. And and um, Tannehill had been up to that point better than serviceable. So, I mean, like I say, <laughs> design something and, and and let Tannehill throw it or, um, over the middle to whoever. Like I, I feel like they should have at that point. Um, the reason I mentioned me falling asleep is because I can't remember what the situation was around then, like what the score was and who had the momentum and, and whatnot. But I remember, I remember it... I remember at the same point in time thinking, Shh, I, I feel like this could, this could be a call that 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 could change could change things in the game, um, and yeah, it, it it didn't work from there. And I'm not I, I'm not blaming I'm not it's not like I'm going to blame Vrabel for the loss, and that, I don't think that unlike Frank Reich, I won't say that this cost them the game. I feel like the Ravens were an overall better team. They were more prepared, and they just had this game was theirs to win. Pick them to win as well, um, but I I don't think that Brabham made the best decision for the team back. I I, I under, again I understand the logic of the rationale behind your thinking, but it wasn't the best decision for me. Fair enough. Now for for all of the the viewers who may not understand the history of that big smile I just cracked. When AJ said that Tannehill was more than serviceable, we have had some heated conversations, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. We don't have time for it right now. But we have had some heated conversations in the past with regards to one Ryan Tannehill because, well, we'll just leave it there for now. I think I, I, that Tannehill- I, I did tell you I wanted to bring him up. Let me, let me mention this quickly. Sure. He has, he has to be culpable for that last play. Not, not solely, but like uh, at least partially because I understand the play is probably designed to go you know over the middle it was to kind of remember who it was supposed to be and mm-hmm. that's one way ended up getting picked but at that point in, in time I don't even know how you do not consider going to your best receiver for the game who has been absolutely tearing his corner apart all game AJ Brown AJ Brown was on the outside completely free ready to take it to the house bro how are you not even considering looking out there for AJ Brown I don't know oh yeah it was to to some kid who had come into the game because I, um, one of the receivers was out. And who didn't, I don't think he had a catch-all game. Anyhow, I'll bring this back up when we get into Tannehill. Let's move on. Yeah, so Saints, Saints and Bears. Saints <laughs> and Bears. Smile. So, smile. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I got, I actually got a lot of flack 
from lots of different people. People looked at me and was like, how are you so concerned about the beers? And I'm like, well, it's not so much about the beers necessarily, it's more about the Saints because the Saints have been to, this, to, have been to the playoffs the last three years. And as I touched on last week, I won't waste our time going back over it again, but the Saints have let me down three years in a row on World Care Weekend. I really wanted us to get the number one seed so that when we would fight, we would not have had to play this weekend. And at least I would not have to worry about my team until, you know, seven days from now. However, we couldn't get the number one seed and we had a team coming in that had absolutely no reason to consider themselves to be our equal or to be in the game. And I mean, I could sit here and I could talk all about the game and how like this was the first time for a while that the Saints had Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, and Michael Thomas on the field together. They had only played 69 snaps together all season long. I could I could do all of that stuff. But right now, I don't really feel like doing too much analysis. What I want to talk about is 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 the fight. Or the kind of fight, the half a fight that they had. Because CJ Gardner Johnson, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, I can understand if he gets no Christmas cards from anybody not in the Saints locker room. Especially if he goes to Chicago, <laughs> he probably has to carry a security detail. This man has the ability of getting in the people's skin. To the point where they do stupid things. So I don't know if you remember AJ, but when the Saints went to Chicago, we had the first fight with him and Javon oh, yeah. Wims. Vividly, vividly. Yeah. When, when, when everybody couldn't understand what Wims was doing, because yeah. a little kid Wims went up to him to try to snatch a chain that wasn't there. Yeah. And then punched him in the face twice. With the man, with the helmet on, with, with the helmet ready, on, with yeah, ready so for I mean, all, the, all the smoke, yeah, correct. So, so, so we had that in the first game, and then we don't know what transpired between him and Anthony Miller because really, truly, the attention was not on them. The Saints' defense was balling out. The Bears weren't really doing that much in the game, and all of a sudden, you see the game get stopped. The refs are talking about it. And then you see that Anthony Miller puts CJ Gardner Johnson in the helmet again. So I don't know what it is about these NFL players, right? I know hockey, at least hockey to me, they operate with a little bit more sense when it comes to the fighting. Because men take the helmets off, they throw the gloves down, and then they start to throw hands. However, it's a load load in the sport, yeah. But in the NFL, you know it's not a load. The men are wearing much bigger helmets, the helmets have face guards. Why are you punching the guy in the helmet? Like, don't you want your hands? You make your job. You do your job with your hands. <clears throat> I mean, like, there's, there's this funny video going around when Wims had an opportunity to catch the ball and dropped it. So in the end zone, yeah. In the end zone, and Mitch put it on a on a platter. It was on a dime. It was a dime, yeah. And he should have caught it to be fair. He sh- yes, he should have caught it. And if he had caught it, then the game. I will concede the game goes very, very different. I 
probably would be watching that game and be very concerned at that point because the Saints were not being efficient against the Bears pass rush and they were not rushing the ball. They were running the ball pretty okay, but the pass was a little bit hit or miss at times. But for me, it's not even I not even bothering with all of that. So so here's the thing about I'm and <laughs> there was there was even a play during the game that I thought and, and when I saw it, I was like, you see, and I, I, I know Ken, I know Ken ain't gonna talk about this, you know, but I feel like you got the benefit of that call. There was a uh a, a the 15 yard it? penalty that was on assessed on on Cole Kemet. The man wasn't even doing anything, but you know what? I, I let's not get into that. At the end of the day, the base are gonna lose, so I'm not gonna blame that call uh, on the reason why they lost. It probably took them out of the game a bit more, but they were gonna lose. With regards to CJ, right? <laughs> so you mentioned these two. You mentioned these two, but you also forgot to uh, um to mention probably the most interesting um skirmish that CJ has been in this season, and that was with his own teammate, can't guard Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let let the people know. Talk to the people. Talk to the people. That that's why that's why can't guard Mike was out a couple weeks because Mike Thomas punched the man in training. This same guy, CJ Gardner Johnson, can there's something you have to get this man out of your locker room. Something is wrong with this man. I is 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 one thing to look at receivers and say, all right, well he probably get in the receivers' heads to the point where I know if he what he could have told them to, to make them want to punch him with a helmet on. But when this same man is involved in, in some sort of altercation with his own teammate, where his own teammate punches him, and it's probably with a helmet too. It was probably with a helmet on too, which is why the man hurt his hand and could not play. Um, Mike Thomas, that is. But if your own teammate wants to punch you out, this, this man has to be some sort of germ in the locker room. Here, here is where I would say that I do not believe that Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a germ in the locker room uh, because yes, yes. if he was if he was such a bad guy in the locker room, when he had that first incident with Wims, then nobody was jumping in for him. But you had um, Jack Rabbit Jenkins; he was right there. When the second punch got thrown, he jumped in immediately to help out yeah, his teammate. You have to do that as your teammate. At the end of the day, if you're right Man, there, you have to do that. If you are you that have to bad. Do that. If you are that bad, I am not don't risking a fine for you. Don't tell me a man getting his helmet punched in three times and he ain't the problem. He is an issue. Man, he no, is an issue. What you, know what? you know what? Cut him. Cut him and we might take him up and reform him. Yeah, I know you like because y'all love the open box specials, right? I, <laughs> I just, I just saying, you know, you know, we like reclamation projects, so it's very possible he could come to New England. But I, I don't care for the guy. No, we, we have no reason to cut him. He's been playing well, and when he got Wims ejected, we the the Bears already came into the game with their number three receiver out. He was hurt, so he wasn't playing. I can't remember his name. Who doesn't know? I don't care. He he was not there. And then Wims is out. He's the number two. And then, sorry, Wims isn't the one that gets kicked out this game. Anthony Miller gets kicked out. He's the number two, which leaves Alan Robinson, Wims, who left his hands in the locker room, and 
whoever else out there knows to try to try to beat the Saints. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, they got a garbage time touchdown. I was upset about the touchdown. I saw when Drew tried to extend for that for the touchdown when we had the score at 21 to 3. That was short. I mean, honestly, Drew Brees, we know Drew, Drew Brees is shorter than me. I'm 6'2", just about. He's shorter than I am, and they were at like the two-yard line, and he jumps, he reaches. I remember that play, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't quite get there. So, okay. And then they get a Gerberstein touchdown, and I was upset about that because I was hoping that we could have had them to three points. But, I mean... no more people play to be Jimmy Graham too, right? Well, I mean, to, to be fair... I was upset when Graham got traded from our team to Seattle because that, we traded him for the center mass, Ungo. Ungo was a good servant for us, but I tremendously <laughs> enjoyed having Graham on our team. And there is thought that Graham might or might not retire after this season. So if his last play in the NFL is a touchdown catch in the Superdome, I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. I would have still rather that we beat him at three rather than beat him at nine. But if if that's how it goes for Graham to ride off into the sunset, cool. No problem. But no, this now takes us from review to preview. And yeah, as we hear talking about the Saints and we're talking about the Saints defense, let's 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 start with the Saints. The Saints last game of of um, this is the divisional round. We got Tampa coming back to the door. I am just sorry I don't have Marshall Latimer jersey to wear during this game because I know he is rubbing his hands, hoping that Mike Evans is fit enough to play, because Mike Evans we know does nothing when he comes up against Marshall Latimer. I remember that it said that it's extremely yeah. difficult yeah. for a team to beat another team in the NFL three times in a season. But mm-hmm. I am confident that where I was a little on the fence last game, I am confident this week, though. I am pushing all my chips into the center of the table because I am sure that the New Orleans defense, which has been playing exceptional football, most of the season, who has found a way to cut down on the pass interference calls 30 and 40 yards down the field. I am confident that the rush defense that has been showing up pretty much all season long, except with when we stupidly lost that game to the Eagles, I am 150%. Not even 150, 150% confident that my Saints in the Dome again are going to show up, show up, and beat Tampa Bay again. Let me hear you, Tampa Bay disciple. That's, that's, what, that's what you're supposed to say, and I can't fault that. At the beginning of the season, when we spoke, I told you honestly, the Saints are going to win this division and the Bucks are going to get um, that wildcard spot, right? 
Mm-hmm. I admit it to you. I didn't expect the Bucks to win the division. The, the Saints, I had the Saints to win it, and the Bucks to get into the playoffs through wild card. Cool. Yeah, that it happened exactly that way. And as as much as I didn't expect the Bucks to lose both games, at the point in time, it was it was still like they were still going through the process, right? Mm-hmm. And the two losses, they they had the two losses, but they did what they had to do. They got into the position I expected. Saying all of this to say, this is where I expect Tom to shine. Since since the bye since the bye week since the bye week, you know he's gotten it together. Is it the most touchdowns he has since since then? Um, anyway, had like an incredible season to cap off last week. Um, well, this last weekend, sorry, did what he had to do. Now, mind you, while I while I I. I Still have some reservations about certain people on that offense, mainly the, the running backs, and especially if Ronald Jones can't play, um, because after that is like uh, the the other the other I think he was a rookie born or whatever had a fumble in the game. He's been inconsistent, and then the next option is Shady. <laughs> so well, Shady I, so was Shady was inactive this week. Um, Fournette yeah. was the was the bell call. He was but, the yeah. one that was and I expect, the ball. yeah. I, but like you said, um, that rush defense has been really good. I, I'm just saying, despite and and again, I still even expect Marshawn Lattimore to probably lock up Mike Evans for the bulk of the game. Is this is two years now? Is this isn't even a, a one-off thing? It's been two years now. This has been happening, right? Mm-hmm. But I cannot go against Tom. I can't go against Tom. When and when he went to this team, I said he's at least getting to the conference finals. At least. Get into that conference final. Yeah. Best case, best case scenario was this, was winning the Super Bowl. Worst case, get into that conference final. So, I can't go against it. Well, if if he makes it to the conference finals, he has to come through New Orleans, and that's it's right. not that's and right. it's not going to be easy. So we that's that's on one side of the bracket, and on the other side of the bracket, we have the Green Bay Packers. They're now coming in to the playoff picture and they're going up against the Rams in Lambeau Field. So, I'll let you go first on this one. What do you think happens at Lambeau? Um, I feel like the weather is going to play an important factor here. And the fact that they have to they have to go to Green Bay in that weather. Um, because the defend defensively, like looking at the Rams would make me want to pick them, but I to be so let me try to be succinct here. Aaron Rodgers is playing at the level we expect from Aaron Rodgers because it's Aaron Rodgers. Um Devontae Adams personally is my favorite receiver in this league, and I expect him to not be. I don't care who, who it is you put on him. Could be Jalen Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey. I don't care. Tay is going to ball. <laughs> Tay is going to ball. Tay is going to ball. Um, yeah, I, I have to speak. I have to speak it. Tay is going to ball, and Aaron Jones is who I'm mostly worried about. Aaron Jones is who I'm mostly worried about on the offensive side of the game. Defensively, the Rams have a better defense than the Packers, but I can't. I can't pick. I can't pick. Um, I, I cannot pick against Aaron Rodgers. I can't see him being outplayed by Jared Goff. And I can't see 
um, Sean McVeigh doing enough. Um, I, I mean, McVeigh, yeah, I don't, I don't rate him that much highly over, um, what's his name? Not, why is the name not coming to me? Was it, was it Packers head coach? Matt LaFleur? The floor, yeah. Yeah, Matt LaFleur. The floor. Yeah, I, this is Packers for me. Um, probably a close game, but Packers. So, if Aaron Donald isn't playing, that is a massive loss for the Rams front. As you said, the weather most likely will play a role in this game because, as they were saying, most of the teams, I guess with the exception of Chicago, I guess, and Seattle, who both lost this weekend, all of the teams that play that are still in the NFC playoffs either play in the Dome or they come from warm weather areas, Tampa and Los Angeles. So I'm not sure how good the Rams will hold up in the weather. The um, Packers' rush defense has not been great. It's been a bit porous. Cam Akers has been doing fantastic stuff, but I don't trust Jared Goff. And as much as I would like for the Packers to lose, because if the Packers lose, then the Rams, once we take care of business, comes to the Dome next week, then that that will work out great for me. But at the same time, I'm not sure that we can put all of our stock in the fact that, you know, we won't have to go to Green Bay next week. So, yeah, I'm going yeah, to well, pick Green Bay. Yeah, picking Green Bay as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so then on the AFC side, we have the Baltimore Ravens. They're going over to Buffalo. Do you think Josh Allen does it two weeks in a row? Do you think Stephon Diggs is able to, to equal Jerry Rice on another weekend in the playoffs? I think this is the worst possible matchup the Bills could have gotten at this stage. I think the Bills are out. Now, mind you, even though they're a division rival, I've actually I actually rated Josh Allen coming into the NFL. I like the guy coming into the NFL. So I was never one that gave him harsh criticism, even when he was inconsistent. I was like, all right, cool. It, sometimes it takes a little time, right? So I'm kind of happy to see him thriving, which is why it doesn't hurt me as much that the Bills are doing this well. Because I even, I don't know if I had this discussion with you, but I even predicted that the Bills would win my division, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised. And I, I had them to beat the Colts, but I feel like this is it this week. One, 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 um, was having this discussion with someone else and they were telling me that they feel that the Bills are the best, um, the have the best matchup, uh, the best matchup to possibly take out Kansas City. And I disagree. I disagree. I think it is the Ravens. And in this case, I, I, I feel like the matchup is bad for the Bills because they ha- they cannot run the ball. They can't. I don't, I don't like Singletary and Moss just don't do it. You could give Moss like a little scramble like, near the goal line or something like that, maybe. But they, they can't run the ball effectively to say that, all right, you have an effective running game. Their running game is entirely predicated on Josh Allen, right? <clears throat> and it, it's predicated on Josh Allen and Josh Allen like finding his receivers. You know, he's been able to spread the ball around, even with Stefan Diggs getting over 100 yards 
he's been able to spread. I think in the last game, his first six throws were like the five or six different different receivers, right? Mm-hmm. Which is all well and good. But you know where the Rams excel defensively? He At really the corner. Is. Yeah. So I I I don't I I think Marlon Humphrey and um Marcus Peters are going to have an exceptional game. I'm not saying that Josh Allen wouldn't probably get something done. Again, I don't see this being a bloat, but I think the matchup is bad for the Bills. And this is the Ravens again to me. Because, I, I again, I don't think, if, I rec- if I'm recalling correctly, I don't feel like they've been very good at stopping the run either. So, J.K. Dobbins and Lamar, that speed and, and craftiness and niftiness and just being shifty all around, I don't see them stopping it. This is Ravens to me. Well, I don't disagree. Um, the, to me, the, the biggest takeaway that I had from the Ravens being the Titans was their defense. The rush defense especially was dominant against a 2,000-yard rusher in Derrick Henry. They don't have that threat with the Bills. As you mentioned, the Bills really can't run the ball that effectively. So when you put all of that together, then it looks like it's going to be a pretty long day for the Bills because if Josh Allen doesn't scramble, then they can't run the ball. And if they can't run the ball, then the Ravens are playing the pass pretty much all afternoon long, and that is going to be trouble. And as you said, this matchup for them defensively is horrible because Lamar Jackson can run easily for 80 yards on any play. You have J.K. Dobbins, who has been doing extremely well. He's been coming on. They've been bringing him on slowly throughout the season. And he's been doing very, very well up until he has reached the point now where he is their number one running back. Gus Edwards, the late Gus Edwards, and he's also been doing very good for them. And like right now, they're so spoiled for riches that they don't even have to suit Mark Ingram up for these games because he doesn't play special he teams. Was, he was out last. He was um, he was inactive last game as well, wasn't he? Right, because as the third running back, if you're third running back, if you have a third running back, he has to be contributing on special teams. And Mark Ingram doesn't play special teams. I mean, he's about 31 years old now, so you can't expect a vet. At his standing, that's like telling Adrian Peterson to go play special teams or sending Frank Gore out there to be the gunner. Nah, that's not going to happen. So because of that, Ingram is not going to suit for this game more than likely, but the Baltimore running game more than likely will still dominate. So yeah, I have them winning that game as well. And then the last one, I think this is the early game on Sunday, Cleveland Browns going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Are we, are, we, are, we, are we actually going to discuss this? We, actually... we don't have to. Okay. We've, we've been here a while. But I know that they've been saying that Cleveland, because Cleveland has basically nothing to lose except just the game, then they can go in and they can play loose. They can play. Nah. Nah. It's Kansas City. Kansas City has been sleepwalking through the entire regular season because it's not about the regular season for them. They've had a week off. They're going to come into this game ready. Andy Reid is going to have these boys prepared. It's going to, it's a wrap. For fear of, <laughs> of, of the criticism that may come, if somehow the Browns find a way to win this game, it is a wrap. It's, we don't even have to talk about this. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Baker have a good game. My guy go out on a high, you know, but 
I, I, I won't be too critical if he doesn't. I don't think I don't think Kansas defense is all time great, but yeah, who may who will be kidding? It's Kansas City. Yeah, we, but the thing is, we we spend so much time talking about Kansas City offense that we don't talk about the defense. But their defense is actually pretty good. The corners it's have been decent, playing pretty it's well. Decent, it's decent, and they've been. Yeah. I mean, is the the game <clears> is going to be won on Cleveland's run versus the Kansas City run defense? Because if they can run and control the ball and, and control the clock and keep Mahomes and all of the Corvette Corvettes on the sideline, then maybe they have a chance. But Corvette Corvette is problem. So, yeah. <laughs> Cheetah and Kelsey, Hardman. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, thoughts, it's been fun. This is round two in the books. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment, recommend, tell your friends. We are still looking to get this thing growing. We we want more people to, to see it, to hear it, to like it. Let us know what you think. When you see this, it'll be, it will be on Wednesday. Again, it's Monday evening. I know AJ wants to go watch the um, college football championship yeah. that game should have started by now i don't yeah. know how much of that i'm going to catch we may or may not talk about it next week we'll see it all depends on how much craziness happens in the nfl but like subscribe and we shall see you next week.